I want to finish today's show with a segment that aired on our American Horror Story episode back in 2016. In it, Brian, Ed, and former co-host Peter Oniff discuss Edgar Allan Poe, America's original horror writer. Here they are in all their campy, gory glory. Now, Peter and Brian, there's just no way we can do a show on horror without talking about Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, he helped invent the modern horror story. Yeah, I wouldn't pit anybody against him, Ed. <laughs> because the pendulum swings back the other way? <laughs> exactly. Oh, those are terrible. Oh, God. Now, unfortunately, we're not the only ones creeped out by Poe's stories. His work seems to have universal appeal. Now, he was born in 1809 and died in mysterious circumstances in 1849. And during his short lifetime, he had legions of fans in both the United States and in Europe. And in the 20th century, his tales were translated into dozens of languages and inspired dozens of movies. I mean, there really hasn't been a time period um, since these works were published where people weren't reading them and intrigued by them. This is Paul Jones, professor of English at Ohio University. He says one explanation for Poe's enduring appeal is that his most popular horror tales, like The Raven, The Telltale Heart, and The Fall of the House of Usher, are not set in a specific time or place. Narrators and characters often go unnamed. But Jones says that much of Poe's work spoke to some very specific 19th century American anxieties. Though Poe was born in Boston, he was orphaned as a toddler and grew up in Richmond, Virginia. There, he became intimately familiar with one of the great fears of white Southerners, slave revolts. Poe was raised by the Allen family. They were wealthy merchants. That meant he had slaves in the household. Likely he was raised by a kind of a mammy figure. Likely he played with slave children as a child. Does Poe ever express his feelings about slavery? He's, he's very good about avoiding any expression of opinion <laughs> on, on topical issues um, in, in his public writing. Though we, we, there are definitely um, things he was writing for the Southern Literary Messenger, book reviews, for instance, where he very clearly um, seems to be embracing his region and his time's view of slavery as necessary, justified, mutually beneficial to both master and slave. Um, but he's in um, Virginia in the 1830s. The significant event in the 1830s is Nat Turner's Slave Rebellion, um, which happens in 1831. Sure. Southampton County, Virginia, sort of a middle of nowhere place that a man named Nat Turner rises up from within the slave community and persuades dozens of his fellow enslaved people uh, to lead a rebellion that would bring the end of slavery in some unspecified way. And along the way, they will kill their own masters and mistresses and the children of those masters and mistresses, beginning with Turner's own. It became famous throughout the whole country, and it would have been resonating in Richmond, certainly four years later when Edgar Allan Poe sets up shop there for the Southern Literary Messenger. Yes, as Poe starts his career writing horror, he's, he's in a culture where that is not forgotten. Right. Um, and that possibility that slaves could rise up and kill um, their masters is, 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 I think, a real anxiety for that moment in time. But he doesn't address it directly. Yes. So your, your, your argument is that he addresses it quite richly but obliquely. Can, can you, and this is where some of the horror in his stories come from. Can you make that connection for us? I guess the thing I would say about it is that in some ways it, it was kind of reality contesting the public 
rhetoric about slavery. And so much, especially in the South, the writing about slavery was romanticized. Um, you have all these, these depictions of kind of happy plantation life and loving servants and master relationships. And I think Poe would have just seen it as this is proof that our literature, the stories we tell ourselves don't actually fit what what's actually happening. And, and I think, yeah, I think he's so interested then in um, kind of taking that tension between those two rhetorics and, and, and exploiting it. So I'm intrigued. Tell me, what's the most famous story that feeds into the American tradition of horror that you think is a kind of sublimated wrestling with these anxieties of slavery? The moment in his work where I see kind of most clearly um, trying to evoke the um, specter of Nat Turner or the, the murderous slave is the one novel he wrote called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. And um, his hero finds himself on a ship um, and a mutiny occurs. And that mutiny is led by a, a, a black cook. Um, who we see um, slaughter 22 crew members um, with an axe. And definitely that vision of a black figure leading a murder spree would have evoked Nat Turner for the, the American reader and certainly the Virginia reader. Okay, Paul, that seems pretty overt. Are there better known stories where Poe plays upon this fear of slave revolts, but maybe a little bit less directly? So, yeah, I, I would say most famously, it, it, it would be the story of the murders in the Rue Morgue, a story that many people see as the first detective story. Right. And, and the detective in, the, in that story um, is trying to solve the, the brutal murder of a woman and, and her daughter mm-hmm. um, who've been found in a locked room. And, and, and I guess at this point, we should say this is a spoiler. <laughs> if you're planning on reading the story and have not, um, the murderer turns out to be an orangutan, an orangutan who has escaped from its master and, and taken a razor to these two women. Wow. And the, the, the scene where he escapes from the master, because the master eventually tells the detective what has happened, um, he has gotten out of the room he's locked in. And Wait, he begins. Why is okay. an orangutan locked in a room in Paris? This is a good question. Uh, <laughs> so the owner is, is a sailor who has gotten the orangutans from wherever orangutans are. Right. The, the one thing to say is that, that in the 19th century, especially in, in the antebellum period, there is a whole body of race science that basically says the African race is one step away from primates. Thomas Jefferson says it in his notes on the state of Virginia. Yes. So this orangutan is, I think, importantly discussed repeatedly as the property of this white uh, owner, a possession. When his master tries to get him back into the closet he's kept in, he raises the whip at him and the ape jumps out a window and then is repeatedly called a fugitive, almost saying this is a runaway slave um, who is armed um, and then heads to this house where these women live and then enacts his violence on them. So you think that a lot of the horror then in this story and in others is not merely on the surface, but is a pressure that's sort of building within Americans who are worried about this kind of possibility of horror that they've built into the heart of their society. Yes, and it's in their own homes. Or for many of these readers, the source of terror is actually, it's, it's how they're living. And if it's not in their homes, it's in their neighborhoods, on their streets of their, of their cities. So do you think that the readers of Poe were aware of what he was doing? 
I'm not even sure he's aware, personally. <laughs> I think that's the, the real question about hmm. Poe's writing. What makes him such a talented writer of horror? Does he know what he's doing, or is he just <laughs> kind of really intuitive about what scares him, what scares his neighbors, what scares the people he knows? And the story, The Telltale Heart, it, it can be read about this anxiety. In that story, you have a narrator plotting the murder of an old man. And it's never very clear the relationship between these two figures, mm, but it's either maybe a lodger or a servant of the old man. And having the then the, the telltale heart narrator basically say, this man has no idea what I'm thinking about him, what I'm plotting. And he says, I was never kinder to the old man than during the week I was going to murder him. Um, yeah. How is that not scary? <laughs> uh, and, 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 right. and, and we do actually have Southerners writing things like that in diaries in the, in the antebellum South. Yeah. Uh, Mary Chestnut's diary, I think most famously, even though it's 10 or so years after Poe's death, I mean, she's basically saying that the slaves could kill us anytime they wanted. The slave that you told yourself um, loved you. Loved you. Yes, yeah, this whole rhetoric, right. this familial affection that may only be some a story that you tell yourself that doesn't actually match reality. So it seems that Poe's genius in some ways is to sort of translate that deep anxiety of a particular time and place into something that people can feel more universally. Would you say that's kind of the secret of his longevity and also of his pan-American and trans-American appeal? Yeah, you do wonder how a work that I think really is aimed at its time has has managed to constantly be thrilling, uh, enjoyable, um, scary to readers in, in very different places. Um, one thing that we would have to say is that while we today aren't afraid that our human property is going to <laughs> rise up against us, people are always afraid of very similar things, <laughs> uh-huh. like other people. And, <laughs> and I think that's the one thing just to note is that there's hardly any supernatural things really in Poe's work. I mean, it's almost always about real people and what they're capable of doing. That was Ed with Paul Jones. He's a professor at Ohio University and the author of Unwelcome Voices, Subversive Fiction in the Antebellum South. 